0: Welcome to the Last Lap podcast.
1: Welcome to the Last Lap podcast.
0: Welcome everybody to the Last Lap podcast. I'm your host Andrew Pearson and alongside me as always is my co-host Sean Gray.
1: How's
2: it going?
0: The Last Lap Podcast. Not very reliable, but slightly more reliable than a Pirelli tyre these days. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yes, we may not have an actual day for recording, but we find one eventually and, <laughs> and eventually get it done.
2: i just like to keep you on your toes. That's what it is. Ah, is. Keeping, you, keeping them like tested. Yeah. <laughs> Can't have everything too easy now. No,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. We should be, we're a podcast to be savoured, not to be expected. <laughs>
2: That's it, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that shilling out of the way, I guess we should um, probably head over to uh, Scott Lamond and just let him know, uh, uh, get him to let us know all about the Chinese Grand Prix.
1: For round three, we are off to the Shanghai International Circuit for the Chinese Grand Prix. As per last time out in Bahrain, this is another Tilka track, although this one doesn't really add much to the argument for the people who claim that Tilka is ruining motorsport, as the layout, based on the Chinese character Shang, which means Ascend, is actually not too bad. Quick facts, 3.3 miles, 16 corners, over 200mph top speed, a propensity for bad weather and a faster slap of 1.32.238 by Michael Schumacher in 2004. It has one of, if not the longest straights in Formula 1, and also has a, a fairly memorable first few corners, a long right that keeps on tightening followed by a switch left, which does seem to be challenging for the drivers, and provides plenty of chance for wings to get knocked off at the start of the race, something we saw plenty of in Bahrain last time out. So although the circuit design is largely more successful than Bahrain, it isn't without its problems as despite a $450 million development cost, the fact that it it was built on swampland means that since its debut in 2004 parts of the circuit have actually been sinking. And there have been other bizarre moments here, like Schumacher colliding with Christian Albers on the way to the grid in 2005, or Sebastian Buemi losing both of his front wheels when hitting the brakes in 2010. And then there was a moment in 2014 when the chequered flag was actually waved a lap early, meaning that a late lap pass by a Kobayashi on Jules Bianchi didn't count. Lewis Hamilton could have done with an early chequered flag in 2007, as by staying out too long on a drying track his tyres wore down to the canvas, resulting in him going off the road in the pit lane entry gravel trap when he did finally try to pit, a moment that arguably threw away that year's championship, gifting it to Raikkonen. It's not been all bad news in China for Lewis though, as the average points gained here for each of the current drivers since 2006 shows a 10-year podium of Alonso in third, Vettel in second, but Hamilton on the top step. So does that mean that despite the gearbox penalty, the Chinese Grand Prix will see Lewis end Rosberg's run and finally get back to his own winning ways? Let's find out with Andrew and Sean.
0: So then Sean, we can't moan about F1 anymore, this is rubbish.
2: It's, it's three good races in a row Unprecedented scenes <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amazing oh, scenes As people really, actually watch entire races Of Formula 1
2: Really good Grand Prix to be honest Helped entirely by You know Like Hamilton's qualifying issues And incidents at the start Which forced certain people down the track And it made for a right old Entertaining ding dong Pretty much from Uh from lights out to to the checkered flag, pretty much. It was generally always something going on throughout the entire race. Uh, very, very good. Very, very pleased. Always did quite like China. It's a decent enough racetrack. And it didn't disappoint.
0: No, I, and I think it was helped, like all the other ones have been this year, by the mix-up of tyre strategies. Um It was definitely a race where people gambled and didn't get it right which i like to see i hope what it means is that people don't give up on gambling uh, um
2: i don't uh, think it will because i, I yeah.
0: liked seeing that people were just going do you know what let's put on the medium boots now because nothing else is going to happen if we stay like this let's let's go for it and you know as it turned out not the right strategy but <laughs> <laughs> the, that's kind of the whole point i kind of like the idea that you know sometimes they just go look and go hmm tracks a bit warmer than we expected it to be you know soft tire seems to be degrading a bit more than we'd hoped well let's try it and stick it out there and you know whether it, you know whether it sticks or not at least they tried and and did something different because it's certainly meaning that there are battles up and down the track as cars slide forward and behind one another depending on what tire strategies they're they're switching to um it really i think you know it's not difficult to say that that little rule change has probably helped f1 avoid a massive a massive crisis i think
2: yep and it's helped them avoid having the the refueling issue forced upon them again yes because it's created the strategy mix up without them having to do the refueling so those those inside the game who are staunch advocates of no refueling are probably delighted at the moment that Mm -hmm. they're thinking we've got a mad strategy mix up here without having to bring back refueling this is absolutely perfect like whereas us who are long-term advocates of bringing back refueling, have kind of gone, oh, well, yeah, this is actually really good. This is kind of what we wanted through refueling. So, yeah, everybody's kind of happy, I think. I think yeah. so.
0: Uh, you'd be, okay. uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who, who can't find something to be fairly positive about. Um, pretty much every team and the way that things have gone this season. it's um, It's certainly been the best start to a season we've had for you know, probably four years maybe, um, just at a time when we needed it, I think.
2: It's interesting that, and I agree with you in your statement now, but it's interesting that, that we ha- we are seeing that despite all three races being won by the same driver in the same team and what's clearly the quickest car. So normally that would be cue for whinging, whinging, whinging. But even though that's been the case, we're still able to sit here and go, what a really good start to the season. And that, that, that in itself tells its own story, do you not think?
0: I, I think it really does, actually. Um...
2: You know, if this was last season and it was Lewis, or three or four years ago and it was Sebastian Vettel, would have been really, really whinging. But because even though Nico won the first three races uh, in a hat canter in the quickest car, we're still going, yeah, that's not great, but... Everything else is pretty awesome right now, <laughs> or it's as it's, it's good as it's been for a while. Anyway, you know. So,
0: well, I guess our weekend started with. Oh well, this that sounds a really stupid way to put it, Andrew. For goodness' sake, the weekend started with Quali. Well, no doubt. <laughs> uh, but the fallout of everything began with Quali. Really, the, the five place drop for Lewis was always going to add spice to it um but then the the total ers failure um meaning he would start right at the back, regardless of whatever else went on um really just meant i think that quali was always gonna be slightly more interesting anyway because you always knew even if if it was a mercedes one two it wouldn't have you know it wasn't gonna end up that way um and then the fact that Lewis wasn't in it completely, I think. Really chivered up the rest of the grid to try extra hard because this is the race where they were going to have the best yeah. chance of of doing well, and I think it it showed that you know uh, Ricciardo um, or Ricardo, sorry, um, got second place. You know that Red Bull is not a second place on the grid car realistically, but. You know, in a sort of slightly variable conditions of not not completely on point for the cars, I suspect in their setup, he was able to you know, um, pip the Ferrari by a few you know one hundredths of a second. Um,
2: it, it, it showed with Lewis with Lewis going down the back of the grid. It, you're right in the sense that they all they all got g'd up. This was their opportunity for them, and that that was so clear in Vettel and Kimi after the rate after the qualifying and Ferrari's general reaction they were really really unhappy not to be on the front row there uh, and it was kind of like yeah this was our big opportunity and they they got done by the red bull so they were so you could tell they were really really not not pleased with their efforts this was a big opportunity that they didn't quite take advantage of and and yeah and fair play to Ricardo if they played to the Red Bull all weekend, actually. You know, including in the race as well. They looked quick. They looked it was the best, you'd, the best we've maybe seen at the Red Bull for a while. Particularly in the straight line. You know, there's back in the day, the Red Bull would get blown away in a straight line. It looked, from what I gathered, they'd stripped some of the wing off the car. They'd set it up to be decent in a straight line, which makes sense at a track. It's like mm-hmm. China, but it was the first time. You know, it was competing with cars that had the Mercedes engine in the back, like the Williams, for example, and. And the and the likes and 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 wasn't getting blown away whatsoever. That uh, in a way that it might have once done with a Renault engine in the back, uh, and not not even not getting blown away, but also being able to to compete and pass people. So that was yeah. I was quietly impressed with the Red Bull this weekend. All throughout the weekend.
0: So let's uh, let's move on to the race then. Um, was that? the best nickel rosberg drive you've seen um or was it just it was just a case that he was in the best place to maximize absolutely everything yeah i think
2: it it was such a sebastian vettel circa 2010 drive where he just he stuck it at the front you know he got fortunate that ricardo had his puncture and had to come in but from then on he he just he was able to pace his pace his car at the optimum pace pit exactly when he wanted to pit use the strategy you know exactly the way we used to say red bull used to control the race with the strategy and stuff when when vettel was out in front mercedes did this perfectly with nico this weekend so yeah it was an absolutely great drive from nico but he had he had every tool at his disposable to to do that you know his team put him in the perfect position uh his car was absolutely perfect and he was able to utilise the the best strategy due to that. So it was it was a great job from the team all round. But I wouldn't necessarily say it was a stunning drive from Nico. It was just it was a good, competent, exactly what it should have been drive for me.
0: Do you think that um, that there's how do I put this? Do you think that kind of drive is the kind of drive? He was missing last year. That that clear, imperious, you know, totally under control drive. Last yeah. year he seemed, you know, up until maybe the last few races, kind of scatty and.
2: Yep, I can agree with that. Yeah, snatching at things.
0: Do you know what I mean? And this, he never looked like he was going to do any, you know, put a foot a wrong. Of,
2: yeah, just a little bit more focused. You know, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, it's a good sign if you if you if you backed him or you want him to win the world championship. Um, I think the stat is nobody who's won the first three has ever lost the championship. Mm. Very interesting stat. Uh, it would just be like Nico to be the guy who's <laughs> who is <does> the anomaly. <laughs> messes that, that up, role. yeah. Knowing Nico, but yeah, you can't complain if you're a fan of him. That's for sure. He, it goes back. I said this last week, and it goes back to what uh. I said last week, he just looks a lot more focused in his mind. I've never had any doubt about his talent, but I think he let his own mind beat him at times last year. And I definitely think he's sharpened that up this year. He's a lot more focused. Those three wins at the back end of last season clearly did wonders for his confidence. And he started this season like a a train. It's like in football, you get a confidence player who when he's a striker, when his confidence is up, he keeps scoring goals. I think Nico's like that as a driver. He needs to be, he needs to feel you know, content in his own ability. He needs, that, he needs that mental feeling to get the best out of himself, and he's got that. So if, as long as it keeps going, you expect more good drives out of him. It's when he starts making, when he loses one, you know, that's when he, or when he loses another one, that's when you start to worry about him. But when, when he's on top, I can see him keeping it going.
0: Uh, Sebastian Vettel, kind of the news item of the day. By come the end of the race um what was that first corner all about
2: ah uh, i don't understand why vettel let this get to him so much It was so weird like how many times do we, we see a little first corner love tap like that and yeah like happens every single race generally someday i'll maybe lose a front wing or take a little nudge up the first corner Formula one there's 23 or 24 cars or however many it is going into our first corner at 200 miles an hour it was just it was a, it was a racing incident and it seemed to really get get inside his head and sure it was his teammate that coll- collided with us obviously not ideal but you know once once he'd said on the radio the first time oh sorry Kimi Kvyat came up the inside I couldn't do anything that really should have been the end of it but he seemed to let it play on him throughout the entire race, and then even in the post race, it was it was an odd one. <laughs> I don't, do you think it had anything to do with the fact that uh, the big boss was there? And he,
0: I don't think it helped. Um, I'm sure he felt more pressure, um, and it probably the probably the fact that they'd had the bad qualifying because he'd qualified behind Kimi as well, so he That's wasn't true. having a good a good race weekend anyway. And maybe just that little bit of pressure just got to him a little bit, and he just wasn't, you know. <clears throat> Come the He's, end of the race, he felt he just needed to be a bit more, you know, hey, look, it was guys, like, it wasn't really uh, my fault. I couldn't, you know. It
2: was very insecure, and that's not really Sebastian. You know, Sebastian's normally Mr. Calm, Mr. Confident. It's it a bit of a turn-up for the books with regards to his character, you know.
0: It is, and it's it's interesting, isn't it, in the, in a lot of ways. You see a lot of drivers sort of go to Ferrari, and you see yeah, things change in there in their characteristics, you know, um, I, you know, Alonso ended up with this sort of slightly dour, depressed reputation.
2: (laughs) I think that's why I loved him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, being there, but you know, if you remember back in his times at Renault and and stuff like that, and uh, you know, even at the start of his McLaren career, he was clearly quite a happy, smiley guy, getting <laughs> on and doing bits and pieces. And and five years at Ferrari broke him. Uh, <laughs> which,
2: which... And now he's carried that on into his McLaren days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, now he's just like now he just doesn't care. I think that's the problem. Is is that that, that Ferrari just beat all of the, um, you know. I'm gonna hide my disappointment out of him now he can't now when if something annoys him he just just gets on and just goes oh bugger it <laughs> <laughs> nothing i'm gonna, I'm yeah, gonna you're right
2: you're right in the sense that you know that ferrari does ferrari's ferrari i mean it does strange things it's like a i don't know it does strange things to the character of a man <laughs> yeah, the, the only
0: person who's clearly not changed is kimmy reich wow i, <laughs> I challenge I... any
2: man woman <laughs> team Thing, animal, anything on the planet to change that man. <laughs> Nobody has ever been more content and comfortable in his own skin than Kimi and <laughs> I think
0: that's entirely true. <laughs> not a
2: single, single one given since day one. Like, do
0: you not know, think another odd thing about you know Vettel's kind of outburst at the end was that in reality, given all the trials and tribulations of the race, he raced really bloody well. Yeah, he do dragged you know I mean? that
2: thing back up to second place. It was a very, very solid drive. Um, now, and, and and he probably wasn't going to beat Nico under any circumstances, you would have thought. So,
0: well, certainly not from fourth place in the grid, do you know what I mean? It's... So,
2: I mean, even if it qualified second behind Nico and took over him in the first corner, I still would be hard-pushed to see how anybody could have really beaten Nico on that given day, given the pace that Mercedes had. And that's so, so Vettel's really gotten the utmost he probably could have out of that car. So yeah, it was a, it was a strange one. Um, he, did, he did recant
0: like, later on, though, didn't he? He did say when he when he looked back, actually, he was in the wrong, and you know, Kvyat was absolutely fine, and it was just you know one of those things.
2: Very uh, yeah, it's just very para sort of very paranoid. Sebastian Vettel, the same. Did you think? What did you make of the incident itself? Did you think that uh, that it was all 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 good? For, I was for, yeah. Uh,
0: it was bizarre. It was bizarre that people were questioning. Somebody who said, oh, um, uh, Bottas got a penalty um, last thing, so why didn't Kvyat get one this this time? And it was just like, he didn't touch him. Do you know what I mean? You can't, can't penalise somebody site. for overtaking somebody. That's retarded. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Bottas drove into the side of uh, Lewis. Kvyat stuck one up the inside. If that was Max Verstappen, they'd have been saying it was the greatest move since Senna. You know? yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, nah, it's, just, it's, fair, it's, it's essentially, fair, it's, a, the, it's the it's the driving equivalent of, of a fast car overtaking a granny in the middle lane who gets so scared she veers into the left-hand lane without looking to just get away from the scary traffic. Because that's what essentially he did. He just jerked at the wheel and went left and went straight into his teammate and went, oh, whoops. It,
2: it, was, a, it was a hectic first corner. There was contacts everywhere. It was a racing incident. Kvyat was quite perfectly entitled to dive up the inside. V- Vettel, Vettel touches Kimi It happens, it's Formula One first corner Like there was nothing more to it really Like I said, if Kimi had come on the, If Vettel had come on the radio and said Oh really sorry about that, didn't mean to hit Kimi And then nothing else was said About it We probably wouldn't even be discussing it now or We would have discussed it in very minute detail It was just Sebastian's reaction to the whole thing That was much a much bigger story Than the incident <laughs> itself Very curious Hopefully we see less of that Next week and more of the Cracking drive that dragged the car back up into second More of that Vettel and less of the, the Odd the odd emotional banter on the radio
0: <laughs> So Danny Kvyat finished in third um, a, a needed Boost for him after Probably being a bit out of sorts the first two races Of the year um...
2: Especially given We all know what, what goes on in that team If you're not performing they'll quickly cut You for the next young pup that's coming through The academy uh, he'll be feeling the pressure big time And I think that kind of showed In his attitude on the radio And at the podium and stuff like that You, you know, know he... uh,
0: No it was just racing mate Don't worry about it, it's fine We all finished didn't we? It's alright innit And it was just like His <laughs> <laughs> <he's>, he sheer <shared laughs> joviality in the face of Moody Sebastian Vettel rather endeared me to him He was just yep. happy to be like I'm having a good time, shut up
2: <laughs> He was just delighted to have a podium Because like I say I think he felt the pressure a little bit And it was a big result for him So he couldn't Nothing nothing Sebastian was gonna say it was gonna knock him off his perch. So like, it was good was well, good fun, I like Fiat and I just wonder where he's gonna end up next year because I don't think he's gonna be in the Red Bull unless he does something he's gonna to have to do something really serious this season because they want Max in that car. Simple as that.
0: I think they do yeah. and I I think a lot of it depends on what um Ricardo does as well. If he's if he you know
2: Basically, for Fiat to keep his drive, I think he's going to have to comprehensively beat Ricardo this season. If if they're fifty fifty, Ricardo keeps the drive. I think. Yeah, which, which you understand. Ricardo's the experienced guy that's got race victories under the belt. So if they finish the season, you know, just sort of neck and neck, I reckon Fiat will be out of a job. Or and I, I might find a job elsewhere because he's clearly got a bit of talent. But we all know that once you've been in the Red Bull and then moved on, it's, it is can be quite hard to get
0: there yeah um because yeah, so. well, you're basically being dropped aren't you for somebody else and
2: yep and it's hard to recover from that you know so we'll see what happens but I, I like the kid i think he's got a talent he's got speed he's got time on his side and i really hope it works out for him time will tell
0: let's talk about fourth and fifth at the same time because in a lot of ways they they shared the same fate in the race really which was um, to have really crappy things ha- happen in the first sort of <laughs> lap and a half of the race, um, do you think it's very impressive that, that Daniel Ricciardo got fourth ahead of Kimi Raikkonen? Um, and what do you uh... think that roughly says about the cars? Do, you know, that interesting question. On, on this yeah. day, that Vettel can get get himself back to second, but Kimi can only get himself back to fifth. I mean, I know Kimi had farther to go, but would you not have expected him to at least have been fourth, given that Daniel Ricciardo had sort of similar... Um...
2: Remember that Ricciardo qualified the the Red Bull on second this week. I think that Red Bull was just quick. I think that Red Bull was just genuinely quick around this track this week, as mind-blowing it is for a track that's got such a long straight. I think that Red Bull was just good this week, and Ricciardo gave it a very good recovery drive. Uh, I don't think Kimi was necessarily all that bad i think i think ricardo was just and i think he had a good package really i do i genuinely think it was quick
0: <laughs> sorry <laughs> i blame carly taylor for <laughs> infecting my mind with such filth yeah.
2: <laughs> the, the word package is a perfectly acceptable <laughs> <little> word <laughs> To describe the 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 setup of a Formula One car, the Red Bull package is probably. I'll have yous know. (laughs) Red Bull package. You children! (laughs) You children!
0: (laughs) I think think the Red Bull package is something you can get in Soho only on a Friday night. But uh... (laughs) the
2: Red uh, the Red Bull. (laughs) No, I think that car was genuinely quick this weekend, and I think Ricardo gave it a very very good drive. I think he had a very strong weekend through qualifying and in the race. He was unlucky with the incident at the start. Uh, as for Vettel kind of doing a bit better than Kimi, I think Vettel's probably just worth two or three tenths a that more than Kimi Raikkonen in 2016, unfortunately. As much as I love Kimi Raikkonen and always will do, I think that's just the nature of it. Mm. Plus, plus Vettel had a fire up his ass about the, the incident at the start. I, I suppose
0: that's true. If he, he, he probably felt he had to do more to get back, I guess, from having made the mistake. Um... So yeah, Okay, I think that's I, I, think, I that's think that's we're... reasonable. To be honest with you, I, I don't I don't yeah. necessarily disagree that maybe the the rebel had a particularly good setup for this race, and it's just been a case that it it's benefited them. It'll know. be interesting
2: to see what they do next time out, uh, and if they carry on the good work. Maybe that rebel was just just pretty decent this year, which we didn't think it would be if we go back to our season preview. But we're kind of all... A bit like, oh, this Red Bull, you know. What could kind be en- anything. What kind of engines they got in the back, what who even makes it I know it's coming from Renault, but what's it branded as? God knows. Like like you say, it could have been anything. That anything includes being quite good. Maybe it's just quite good. I think Ricardo, yeah, good drive. Good good car, good setup, good everything this weekend. Probably would have been on the podium if it wasn't for the incident at the start, so
0: Okay. Um
2: In fact probably could have been in second. Every chance he would have been in second this weekend on pure pace, I think.
0: Uh, Felipe Massa in sixth place. Um, are we, you know, are we pretty sure that this is this is Williams this season? Yeah, uh, I think Gone so. Gone are the lofty days about being, you know, best of the rest and maybe even best behind the Ferraris.
2: They are definitely behind Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes, in my opinion, but probably more or less in front of everybody else they're just their own little mid table that's just where they are uh, uh if force india or tor rosso have a particularly track that suits their car they might serve it up to the williams and if williams have a track that serves it uh, particularly suits their car they might serve it up to the red bull but i think you're right in general this is just about where they are uh, and i don't really see them improving on that i don't I don't look at Williams and see a team that goes, yeah, that's like those are guys that are going to develop that car throughout the season, and they're going to be challenging for the podium come Canada. Don't see that. Don't see that from Williams. I think they'll probably just be about this position all season. Don't really know how to fix Williams. I think we mentioned this in the last show. Not really sure where they're going, but I don't have the answers. Don't have the answers <laughs> for them. If you're listening, Claire, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one. Do they have the budget to truly develop the car? I don't know.
0: Difficult, difficult one. I they're, think, they're, they're as much as best... I love him, I think
2: I think they need a driver change. Yeah, I think they need a shake up.
0: I think that's probably true. I think um...
2: I think I think Massa goes. As much as I love Felipe, he's one of my one of my boys, but it's an uninspiring driver choice in twenty sixteen. Felipe Massa. I kind of feel like he's maybe had his day, and uh, a young, fresh, perhaps a Danny Kfiat who's been fired from the Red Bull, somebody like that.
0: Somebody might, with something to prove.
2: Might be a bit more of a an option for them next season.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um I think I tend to agree with that. They're they're still the best of the non works teams. Um oh, and, you know, and obviously they're ahead of the McLaren's at the moment. But you just get the subtle feeling that, you know, so, so at some point that McLaren's gonna get itself right and that's just gonna be another team that's sort of, you know, pushing its way ahead of them sooner rather than later, because they've got the expanse, the expansive research and design to improve the engine and the car as a yeah. homogenous component, whereas Williams are just building it around whatever spec Mercedes give them.
2: Yep, yeah, I agree with that. How yeah.
0: forwardly can you plan based on that you don't know what kind of shape the engine's going to be uh, <laughs> when it arrives <laughs> like at the factory?
2: It's like what we go back to when we discussed uh, the Honda, the Honda McLaren thing. They've taken that almost as like you know they've got the sole Honda, the Honda the sole provider of McLaren. Uh, everything that Honda do has been designed for the McLaren, whereas like you say, Mercedes have. Uh, their own team and then they supply the rest of the teams and the rest of the teams just have to Mercedes say jump and they say how high basically uh, and that's that's the fact of the matter and they're never truly going to be able to catch Mercedes when the circumstances are that so yeah I agree with you McLaren are eventually it might take them a while but <laughs> we'd have to assume going to get it together
0: at some point Lewis Hamilton triple triple world champion Okay, let's let's be fair. He started from the back of the grid because his car didn't work. So, you know, there's that first quarter incident. Do you think he could have been a bit more speculative and been in a sort better place on the road, or just you know, act a god?
2: It's first corner, isn't it? You know what we always say about the first corner.
0: I just wondered if he tried a little bit too hard, given given the pace of that Mercedes would it have killed him to have waited a lap. You yeah. know, if he'd hung around the outside of the track either side, but he didn't, he went into the middle gap, which is the worst place to be. <laughs> if you're, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not at the front of the first corner, because it's the, it's the gap that's going to close around you with people who maybe can or can't actually do anything about the direction that they're going in, especially at the inside. Um,
2: probably something to be said in that to be honest but it's Lewis and that that's his style and that's well I think any that's... racer to be fair yeah. you
0: know uh, uh, they're gonna see the gap and they're gonna go for it but it given how far back he was and given how kind of crucial it was to make up points did it just seem uh, you know it was just a bit of me that just thought oh don't be so gung-ho to make 10 places up in the first corner i know it's you know i know it's modern formula one and passing's difficult but you're in the mercedes boy you're gonna get up to you know fifth without even really thinking about it and then the team can help you get past the rest of the you know they can put you on the optimum strategy to get you past all of the other the other cars on better tires at the right time you know but it seems a little bit like he wanted to just go well look at this crap start but i'm lewis hamilton so i've I've made up 15 places at the start, <laughs> hurrah, um, and it all went very, very, very badly wrong for him.
2: Ultimately, though, with the safety car and stuff, it didn't really make any difference, really.
0: Well, he didn't lose as much time as he probably um, could have. It could because have it been a, a much worse race for him. because When it, the safety
2: car came out and and he did that weird double pit stop thing, ultimately all he did was end up at the back of the field. So the the broken front wing at the start didn't really make a difference because... It would have been the, the equivalent of just not making any places up at the start and just being at the back at the safety car when the safety car restarted. It wasn't, it wasn't like he was 30 seconds detached from the field, like he would have been if there wasn't a safety car. You know, if he had to come in and pit for the broken front wing and the safety car hadn't come out, he'd have been detached from the back of the pack. But because of the safety car, he was able to just get stroll up to the back of the pack. So the broken front wing didn't really lose him anything ultimately.
0: It's no, it was just damaged the floor, really. Wasn't yeah,
2: it? it was whatever else was wrong with the car, which obviously didn't help. But from a pure timing perspective, he maybe lost a few places. He maybe went from what would have been fifteenth down to twentieth or something like that. But he didn't really, he didn't lose the thirty or forty seconds you would normally do if you t- if you lose your front wing on the first yeah. lap, and then there isn't a safety car because normally that would if you lose your front wing on the first lap and and there's no safety car, you end up the best part of a lap down, by the time you've trundled round with a broken car, got it repaired and come back out, yep. you're going to be 30, 40, 50, even a minute behind but because of the safety car, he was able to just stroll back up, to, he was able to pit about five times and stroll back up to the back <laughs> he, had, he had three pit stops after what five laps or something like that so yeah, I mean it was a very strange hectic start to the race and I agree with what you you were just about to say, is it, it could have been a lot worse for Lewis Hamilton, he, he ended up Once it all shuffled out, it ended up, yeah, at the back, the safety car comes in, and he's at the back, but, you know, given the nature of the first corner, it could have been a lot worse. What did you make of his his drive through the field, given that he probably didn't have everything at his disposal due to Um, the first corner? I
0: I think it was reasonable. Um, I find it surprising he didn't get further, but... It's so difficult to understand how bad an F1 car can be to drive with the the what seems like minimal damage. You know, these things are such knife edges that taking a little chunk out of the floor here or stuff there, and you think, well, that can't make that much difference. But you know, that's the weird thing, isn't it? Is that they are such knife edges. They seem to lose the end fences to the the front wing and then do the whole Grand Prix. But you damage the floor, you know, take a little <laughs> nick out of the floor, and then apparently the whole car is rubbish. But uh... the,
2: end, the end fence thing always bug, bugs me when they damage them and then they go, oh, but it's fine. I was like, well, why are they there then? <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's the point? Take them off.
2: <laughs> Just let's rubbish. Get rid of them and have nice flat front wings like the 90s. That's what I want. The, um... Yeah. I'm a little bit surprised he didn't get further. I thought he would have finished ahead of for felipe for a start right like, mm. i was surprised he didn't get behind uh, didn't get past felipe um perhaps it was maybe just the strategy that didn't work out for him the whole coming into pit to, Twice to avoid was... using well to <laughs> avoid using the soft tire but then put the medium on anyway yeah so it didn't make any difference whatsoever because he was still using two compounds it was i just it was kind of like and and, I, and i'm not knocking this because this is what i want to see uh, in terms of tire strategy going forward but it was kind of like they didn't know what to do with the tire strategy with lewis it was like oh we'd well, we avoid the soft tire and then 10 laps later they're going oh well we're we'll maybe try the mediums now they they were they were kind of making it up as they went along They strategy and that that's what i want to see as a fan because it creates for interesting races but yeah they, i don't think they I think Mercedes could have given Lewis a better strategy that might have seen him finish at least ahead of Massa. It just felt like at the end of the race he had maybe five to ten laps with nothing left in his tyres, uh, and and he was able to be those who went on the up the different strategy like Ricardo who were able to pit for a fresh set of stuff nearer the end of the race were kind of able to just stroll up to the back and and go through. And it wasn't just Ricardo. Whoever finished behind Lewis would have been Max Verstappen. Mm-hmm did the same strategy and was one or two laps shy of doing the exact same thing being able to drop to the back of Lewis and probably pass him so I just I think all things considered it it wasn't the worst result for him but I don't I feel like yeah it might have been he might have been able to have a slightly better tyre strategy but I'm not really knocking Mercedes for that because you know he, he had the front wing damage and he was in and he was out and there were safety cars and so it's hard it's hard it's not an easy job to strategize the best tire strategy It's a very difficult thing to do to, to work out what's going to be the best when there's so many variables and anything can change at the drop of a dime so I'm not really knocking for him that. I just don't think he was on the optimum one
0: So then it's the two toro rossos coming next, eighth and ninth Max ahead of Carlos um, no more bad language from Max as he seemed to get the um, the optimum pit strategy this time and um was able to um catch up and pass his teammate uh, you know at the end of the race uh, nice and comfortably um good good racing do you think from from these two this year
2: i'm becoming worried about carlos i'm worried that max is outshining him so much he's going to end up dropped like yeah i like Science, but I think he needs a big couple of weekends soon. Max is getting such a hype behind him, sometimes justified, sometimes not justified, that, that he's, it's becoming a bit like the Max Verstappen Show at Toro Rosso, and that's absolutely, and it's specifically in that team. But in any team you need to you know be putting up to your teammate, but specifically in Toro Rosso, if it becomes all about Max Verstappen, science will quickly get forgotten about in a place like that, and uh, Max will get the big promotion, and science will fall by the wayside. He needs a big couple of weekends, and I'm not doubting his talent whatsoever, but he just needs to announce himself a little bit. He really needs a, you know, like a fifth or something, just really strong weekend.
0: Uh, I I don't disagree. Um, I think <clears throat> he's he's got the worst of of all the worlds you know he's um he's been at the team a long time knows everybody but hasn't been able to shine and the one the first chance he's got you know there's this young up and comer who gets more leeway because he's less experienced do you know what I mean people seem to be able to forgive him um you know his mistakes and go oh well he's just you know He's just a baby, you know, and um, Carlos Sainz is like 26 or however old he is, and he's not going to get that kind of slack because he's been in and around the team, test and reserve driver, and all of these bits and pieces. So I think you're right in that he really needs to, you know, he really needs to put some moves on, on Max sooner rather than later. Just bear with me two seconds, mate. Yep. Joe? Can you turn that down or shut the door? Sorry, watching something that's got some ghostly noise in the background is incredibly <laughs> disturbing. Especially I can't when it. So that's, <laughs> oh, that's a good that's thing, I suppose. <laughs> it's
2: not coming through on the on the sound. But... Oh, dear. But yeah, I can imagine it's distracting. <laughs> what were you saying? You want to carry on? We are talking about uh, Carlos.
0: Uh, oh, well, I just finished, so you were about to say something.
2: I was about to say so it's like I'll just uh Carlos sign will Yeah he, he just he just needs that one sort of memorable weekend where he asserts himself you know he, he maybe qualifies in the top 10 and sticks it in uh, you know has a great race and ends up finishing fourth and everybody maybe <sighs> He needs to just do something like pass a couple of people with a superb overtaking move, just to remind people that he's there. Because we all know he's talented. He's just I worry that he might become victim of Resta syndrome of just being solid and very capable, but not memorable. And for that reason, doesn't get kept on uh, because he's not he's scoring points and driving solidly, but you know he's not getting the big hype around him that gets you the big move to the big team. And and that happened with Paul Resta, and it's happened with many others over the years. And I worry that he might slip into that sort of mould. And I don't want to see that because I like the guy. But you know, it's a dog eat dog world, and it's cutthroat, and he's going to need to do something soon.
0: Certainly, at Toro Rosso, it's there's no. Yeah, more,
2: that's what I mean more so than any other team. You know, more so than any other team.
0: Um, Valteri Bottas. What has happened to... It's not a very good start to the season, has it? Valterio Bottas, it's bizarre. Um, Seemed to be making mistakes. He's not showing the pace that he used to. What's Is that a motivational thing, do you think? Do you think the fact that, you know, he came into Williams and was giving all of these great results and all the other bits and pieces, and the car has just gone back and back and back, and he's being linked with all of these big seats... You know,
2: he's not going to get it if he doesn't drive well, though. Like this. Well, so... no,
0: no, I understand that, but I'm trying to, I'm yeah, trying no, to piece together the thing that takes you and makes you as unmotivated. It happened to Nico Hulkenberg, didn't it, last season? There just seemed to this point where Nico Hulkenberg seemed to pretty much seemed like he wasn't really concentrating on what he was doing, and he was making mistakes, and Perez was looking really good. And you just sit and you just go. Well, I know Nicola is really talented, and I know Vata- Valtteri Bottas is more talented, and he should should certainly in that team be looking like he's the dominant one. Do you know what I mean?
2: Be, he'd be a fun man to go for dinner with at the moment, just to sort of pick his brain and go, "What's yeah. going on, Valtteri? Like, talk to me. What's up with you? Like, why 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 what's happening here? Like, you might be right. I don't know the answer. I don't know the man personally. I, that's, I wish I did. Is it a motivational thing? yeah he might well like what we were saying about williams we're looking in from the outside and going they don't look like a team going anywhere maybe he's seen that from the inside as well but the problem with that is it's a bit like when a footballer plays for a lower league club and they've got ambitions of a champions league spot and and they don't put any effort on the pitch where you're not going to get a big move a big 50 million pound transfer if you're not putting in the effort on the pitch for your small club you're not going to put yourself in the shop window and bottas is the same it's all good in thinking oh i'm you know, I'm kind of not digging this Williams. It's not going anywhere. I want to move to Ferrari or I want to move to whoever. If you're not putting in the performances, before you know it, it's November 2016 and Roman Grosjean's been signed up for the Ferrari or something like that. So, yeah, it's a strange one. He needs to pull the finger out a little bit and just, a bit like Carlos, just remind us who he is. Because we'll soon forget about him when there's Max Verstappen's and there's Stuffel Van Dorms making a name for himself on his first race, even though he's not got a proper race seat, and there's mm. all of these young kids that are they'll come in, they'll come and take your drive. We're, Formula One has never been short of talent. You know, there's only 22 or 24, you know, race seats on the grid, and hundreds of drivers out there that are talented. You know, it's like someone will come and take your drive if you don't want, if you're not motivated, then. You you know you you'll be out of a job. So I want to see I want to see more from Bottas because I am a fan of him and he was definitely someone who I had pegged as a potential Ferrari driver post Kimi Raikkonen. So let's see a little bit more, please, Valteri.
0: Sergio Perez in eleventh place. Uh, how long before we have to stop saying that it's bad luck for the Force India that they're (laughs) not scoring big points? And we have yeah. to go. Actually, is your car not as good as everybody thinks it is?
2: I'm, I'm, I'm becoming, I'm becoming to lean towards that. I mean, what's finished ahead of them? A couple of Toro Rosso's, a couple of Williamses. It's probably uh, where and they comfortably
0: are. though. That's the thing, isn't it? Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, it, it's Valtteri Bossas not having a good race, but nearly ten seconds up the road, eight seconds, I guess, but
2: yeah yeah that's true we've just slated Valtteri for being a very meh race <laughs> and he's still you know solidly ahead of the force india so what does that say about the force india on a track with a big long straight and a mercedes pony in the back you'd think would probably be decent track for them yeah you might be right you might be right it might be time to start looking and raising eyebrows at the force india but we've been we've been singing from the same hymn sheet about Force India for at least a season and a half, maybe two years. They just need investment. Ultimately, mm. they're not going to go anywhere if they don't get investment. They're
0: the they're the kind of you know, um, and I don't like to use this analogy particularly, but it's a bit like sitting there going, if I was going to invest in a team, if I was just going to buy a team. And I wanted to buy one that had like all the decent in- infrastructure, something decent, and a ground to build on, all the other bits and pieces. If I was buying a football team, I'd look at something like a, like a Leeds United. You think about everything is there to do that, and if you had the money to take it over and really invest in it, you know, like a Saudi oil billionaire or or whoever, then surely you'd do that. You wouldn't just pick a random, you know, Brentford, and <laughs> and then trying to you know try and build a. 60,000 seat stadium in the middle of Brentford And, and see what you could do with that you'd, you'd take somewhere that had You know, good infrastructure around yeah. it You know, and, and was in a You know, in a place to really be taking forward And Force India seems like that sort of thing yep. it, It's kind of surprising that there isn't Another racing mark out there That's kind of looking at Force India just going You know, well, well maybe, you know, maybe yeah, we could They've got
2: things in place, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying I mean, what are they? They're former Jordan, aren't they? So, you know, underneath that Underneath that orange and white and black you know cover there's there's a there's a there's a historic formula one team in there that's won grand prix you know i mean jordan won a few grand prix in this time so yeah right in that sense you know i mean well the aston martin thing came and then went almost as quickly as it came i don't know but it's in the same thing They'll just keep ticking over until somebody eventually does buy them a little bit, like Sauber. It's a shame for Nico Hulkenberg and Sergio Perez. It's, you know, I like both of those guys. We say that about Force India, but you know, they. No, and then they'll turn up in... they're like a bipolar team. They'll turn up one weekend. They'll turn up at Russia or at Catalonia or something, and Perez and Hulkenberg will be sixth and seventh on the grid, and one of them will finish on the top four or five. You know the they're a funny team from that point of view. Uh,
0: 12th and 13th, the two McLarens. Now, here's my take on something, Sean.
2: <laughs> right, I always, I I live for your take on the McLaren F1 team. I don't I, I need to, to say anything in, in this segment. Just let you talk about McLaren and I will listen and enjoy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, first race, both cars not lapped.
2: Right. That is the sound of straws being clutched <laughs> up. A little bit. A <laughs> little bit. Get but
0: it is entirely true. It is entirely true that, um, you know, especially in a race where things didn't really go very well for them strategy-wise. Do you know what I mean? Um, poor old Jensen, you know, you know, Alonso was up there right at the start of the race and then dropped right back because they kept him out for too long. Um, poor old Jensen got switched over to the mediums, which turned out not to be the tyre to be on. Uh, at the end of the race and had to pit him anyway to go back onto the super softs, um, to get, you know, running up to the back of his teammate. But they stayed ahead of the Mercedes. Now, I, it, it's not a major achievement, do you know what I mean? It's not party hats and, you know, jelly and ice cream. But it is something to look at and just go, you know, this car was not so slow and so off the pace that it was you know easily rolled in by the Mercedes it wasn't far off you know Mm -hmm. Jensen wasn't that far ahead of Nico when he finished but he did finish you know on the uh on the same lap as the the lead car even if it's by 500 meters Mm -hmm. that I think is a very significant step um in terms of the development of the car, because it means that consistently across a race, the car was w- was that much quicker than it was before.
2: Yeah, have you have you looked at per you know as a percentage every lap? You know, two tenths, three tenths, four tenths, whatever. Yeah, it's probably I don't know twenty five seconds over the course of a race quicker, maybe. So then you're talking. I don't know, yeah. It looks like they've achieved a few tenths a lap at least over the course of a race. From from maybe this time last year.
0: And, you know, again, the car was um, racy. It made overtakes. Um, It doesn't look as unbalanced as it did last season. Um, It's coming off of the corners much, much better than it was last year. Last year it was it was awful and you could see that every time the drivers tried to put down power the thing was just all over the place and unbalanced and this year they seem to be able to get stuck into the corners and go oh yeah they they're still losing ultimate ultimate pace down the straights you know, the top speed isn't getting them into the you know isn't getting them anywhere near the the you know top 10 of the speed traps but that race pace has got to be encouraging i think i think you've just got to look at that and just go if you if you started the season expecting that both of your, t- both of your cars will be overtaken by the Mercedes within three races, you've managed to get it so that they're fast enough to keep ahead of the, the lead car whilst, you know, the Hasses weren't able to do it. The Saubers weren't able to do it. The Renaults weren't able to do it. The Manners weren't able to do it. And one of the four singes wasn't, you know, and I know Nick Hawkenberg had a, scruffy race and all the other bits and pieces of it but still i think that is an impressive feat um, and shows that that car is improving very very you know steadily but consistently race to race each time they're turning it up a notch and it's not failing it's not introducing new errors and they're able to push it just that little bit harder the car is just getting better and better, and I think that's a very promising sign for when they start being able. You know, the next iteration of that engine comes out. Because if it, it, you know, if they've cracked the um, turbo not overheating and and dying and all the other bits and pieces, and they're getting better and better, actually, and that, then they can just concentrate on so much other stuff. They can really concentrate on really. Drawing all of the last bits of performance out of the engine. You know, mm-hmm. If they're still worrying about fundamental things, then the car's not going they're to. You're never
2: going to have the pace. Yeah, exactly. You're never going to have the pace, didn't
0: that? You know, if you're still, if you're still worrying about getting your turbo to turn at the at the speed it, all the other cars are, let alone faster, you you know, you're never, you're never going to catch up with all the other teams who are already trying to work on their turbos and making them go faster. So, um, what that, what the development pace is of that, I don't know. I don't know whether that, you know, next race will be exactly the same, worse. Who knows, you know, when the next changes go into the engine, you know, it's probably going to be the European races. So we're a couple of, couple of races away from that. Will we see a big change there? Will the tracks suit the cars more? Um, rather than the sort of slightly featureless ones that are on now. It will will be interesting to see. But that little stat of it being the first race where both cars haven't been lapped, I, I I think there's real positives that you can take from that that aren't about McLaren scoring points and all the other bits and pieces that are the F1 milestones that everybody thinks of.
2: Okay. Well, I'm glad for you as a fan that you're you're taking positives I, I I'm think, happy for you I think
0: it, <laughs> you know we're both football fans and sometimes you have to look at a 2-2 draw and go decent result do you know what I mean that's a good result isn't it, <laughs> yeah. it nah,
2: yeah absolutely
0: even if at times it maybe seemed that you were 2-0 up but you know on the face of it you look at it and go actually you know those two goals were fairly lucky um and the team that we were playing against was actually much better than us. To going to restrict them to two goals was actually a massive achievement, and I think that's the way you've got to look at it. This, this, you know, this wasn't a flawless performance. It wasn't the best performance a, a McLaren or a Honda engine is ever, you know, is ever going to do. But sometimes you've just got to battle away for a point, haven't you? The 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 metaphorical draw. Yeah. Um, and I think this was kind of one of those things. I think that little not lapped should be a little, you know, feather in the cap to say okay, you know, we aren't winning the Champions League here, but, you know, we're not um, We're not doing an Aston Villa.
2: <laughs> That's true. Saubara. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, who's next then?
0: Um, Gutierrez in the, Haas. Um, in the Haas.
2: Funny race for the Haas, given how much we've praised them the last couple of weeks. Uh... Uh,
0: well, Roman's car gave up the ghost, didn't it, on the first yeah. couple of laps, and uh, they, they just kept him out to keep him going. Which seemed a bit odd because... Surely they could have pitted him, and then if they needed to change his gearbox or anything like that, they could have done it without a penalty. But
2: uh, they made a radio call, didn't he, where he said that he needed to come in and box. And I believe they went. I remember hearing the American engineer on the on the radio say, "No, no, stay out, stay out," or something like that. I wonder if it was uh, just you know, just keep the PR car thing. Yeah, keep the car on TV kind of job. Maybe. Well,
0: and maybe not retiring it makes the car seem more reliable then, doesn't it? You know, if they've got no...
2: No retirements, their name, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Based
0: on the, you know, on engines and bits and pieces, who knows?
2: Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, I'm sure there was method to the madness, anyway. But.
0: Yeah, but but 14th, you know, I know Gutierrez hasn't really done anything compared to Roman Grosjean, but do we take from that that the first two performances by the Haas in Grosjean's hands were massive? massive overstatements about where the car is
2: i would say probably um i think it's i think it's a testament to how good Roman Grosjean is yes i equally think that esteban gutierrez isn't very good <laughs> I, w- I would possibly you know, so over the course I, of i a rather race...
0: like esteban gutierrez which makes me not really want to criticize him very much but he you know he's not a world champion he's not on that level i think he's a decent enough f1 driver but there are plenty of decent F1 drivers. Max Chilton was a decent F1 driver. Do you know what I mean?
2: Decent isn't, you know, ultimately.
0: It, it's not much. what you, not what we aspire to, is it in F1?
2: So I think Roman Grosjean versus Esteban Gutierrez over the course of a race distance is probably worth thirty seconds. So if Gutierrez finished fourteenth here, I don't see why Roman probably couldn't have finished in the top ten, maybe ninth, tenth, and I don't know the timings. I don't know how far back. I've not got the timings in front of me. on a second. I'm going to look that up. Uh, as I'm going to go
0: as a lap down, so I can't really help you
2: here. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think I think Grosjean comfortably is worth at least half a minute over the course of a race over Espan Gutierrez for me, which would have put him at least mixing it with, you know, Bottas, Perez, Alonso, guess, it, that yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah, uh, Grosjean, I think, for sure, probably outdrove. The ultimate pace of that car—I don't think anybody would argue with that. Uh, But equally, I would probably argue that Gutierrez isn't getting all of it. Extracting, yeah, yeah. So it goes a bit both ways for me. Uh, Shame that Grosjean had his spirit problems, so we couldn't really see. But you know, we've only seen the Haas for three Grand Prixs. Going to get to see it again next week, so we'll find out more then. Oh, it's a learning curve with them as fans to find out exactly where they are. Uh,
0: Nico Hulkenberg in fifteenth—did he have some other problems? Because I know he he, you know, had um, contact at the start of the race, so that's why he was back down. But I don't really understand whether he's had something else in the race that meant he ended up so far back and so far behind his teammate.
2: I'm not 100% sure, if we're honest. Uh, There was that much going on in the whole race. And you
0: look at it, he is the last. You really remember what
2: happened to to Nico, yeah. He
0: he is essentially last of the finishers beyond what we can now really describe as the back marker teams, I think. Excluding Roman Grosjean, who obviously had car problems. But if you look at it that way, do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I'm not sure. If anybody wants to tweet in and tell us exactly why Nico Algenberg was so far down the list, feel free.
0: Uh, uh Excuse me. Sorry. (laughs) It's not on board with doing the podcast. I'm just knackered. Um, (laughs) 16th place was Marcus Ericsson. Two good races for Marcus Ericsson. Racey. You know, pushing the Sauber um, ahead of the Renaults um, and the Manners.
2: Yeah, I yeah, for sure what? I would have expected it to have been behind at least the Renaults. So yeah, fair play for getting him ahead of Magnussen. Uh on paper, uh, they had uh, the Sauber over a course of a race distance so behind the Renault for sure. So uh well well done, Ericsson, I guess <laughs> uh, making the best of a bad situation. If you look at that sort of Sauber Renault manner as a as three teams there, six cars, He's won that many battle, I guess. Yeah. For this, this weekend.
0: Yeah, it seems like that. That is the, you know. If you did,
2: if you took those six cars as well, you would, you would have Magnuson, probably Verlin, Nazar, and even Julian Palmer, probably all, all better drivers than Ericsson. Yeah, he's come out on top this weekend, so fair play. Um.
0: Kevin Magnussen, seventeenth in the Renault. Baby steps for the Renault, I think. Yeah. It very much. Um. That early Australian pace seems to have uh, evaporated um, in a very, <laughs> in a very McLaren-like way. <laughs> this has been the for the McLaren to turn up in Australia, do something really decent, and then just be awful the rest of the season. Um, and it kind of seems like that might be Renault's problem here. Um, I guess the problem with Renault is they're fighting fires on on a lot of fronts, aren't they? They're dealing with probably not the most developed car coming from you know. Uh, Lotus the season before, and they're having to develop the engine again. Still, it's probably just as well that they've got somebody of Kevin Magnussen's calibre to go alongside Julian Palmer, who I think is an is it looking like he will be a great talent, but the car looks like a dog. Do you know what I mean? If it, if if the McLaren was apparently really undrivable. I think the Renault (laughs) in terms of how stable it looks on the road, it looks worse. I think it's obviously got a better engine in it than last year's McLaren. Do you know what I mean? If you see what I mean?
2: Yep. Um, But the car
0: doesn't look like it's, you know, it's funny really because the Lotus last season looked like it might be all right, but I don't know whether it's just because they've had to fit the Renault engine in the back instead of the Merc. And that's just thrown everything off balance wise. Because that's so, so fundamental, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yes. How the engine sh- sits in the chassis. Just try saying that three times quickly without <laughs> making it an expletive. Um,
2: yeah, it's, it's completely redesigning the whole back end of your car ultimately to figure out where everything's going to go with a different, a different spec engine. So, like I say, baby steps. You know, nobody's expecting miracles this season from Renault, like McLaren last season. Rebuilding. We knew. Yeah, we knew exactly what it was. Uh, do you still
0: do you still not think that it's still particularly bad because McLaren of the, the size Renault? of Renault and what they could potentially throw at it? Uh,
2: no, no worse than I thought. McLaren were last season.
0: No, I suppose that's fair enough.
2: McLaren are well. No, actually, no. That, that, I think a, that's. have that, as many resources to throw at it as Renault do. Uh,
0: I don't think that's necessarily true, and you're talking about. Essentially, Honda having a standing start,
2: true, with true. Renault
0: having developed that engine for three seasons now. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: but they they also,
0: I can understand the car not look like kind of being good, but if the engine isn't really giving them the power to compensate that, then that's kind of a big big telling thing on Renault as an engine manufacturer, if you see what I mean.
2: Well, yeah, but to be fair, they've never had the strong engine though. The well,
0: Renault,
2: even it, going back to no,
0: going back uh, years,
2: no, it, it, uh, it's never been the strongest engine. It's never been Red the most Bull,
0: powerful engine, but it's
2: Red, Red Bull won their titles based on aerodynamics. So, uh,
0: well, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to just disagree with you on that one. I think the Renault power unit, um, w- the way that it, it, it interacted and and did the things that it needed to do. Um, I, I don't think you can sit there and just say, "Oh, well, it's all aerodynamics." You could have put a, a Cosworth in the back of that Red Bull, and it would yeah. have done as well. I think. I think. It was the it, whole, I think the it's whole un, design, it's but... undeniable that that Renault produced really good engines for Red Bull. Whether they were as good as the Merck engines, I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna hazard a guess at. But it's quite clear that you could put a dog Renault engine in a Red Bull, and the Red Bull won't do as well, so true, true, true. I'm I'm kind of looking at it and saying, you know, if it was a case that the aerodynamics did everything, then no,
2: I know, yeah, <laughs> I know what you're saying, but that will probably would uh, have left. <laughs> my, po- my, my my point was that when they were winning world championships for Red Bull, I think the probably aerodynamics were the difference maker. Where the 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 Renault engine for me anyway, just from my point of view was. Was uh, was good, but but as just you know, sort of on a par with with everything else around it, and the aerodynamics was what took Red Bull to the next level above them, above the other teams. Whereas, yeah, at, at that time, I think the Renault engine that had been the Red Bull was just as was not bad, but neither was the Ferrari, neither was the Mercedes engine that McLaren had at the time. It was all they were all just quite you know decent, good engines. It wasn't. It wasn't worse. It wasn't better. And it was aerodynamics that made them that took Red Bull to the next level. That was all my point was. As for Renault, just now in comparison to McLaren last year, you say that Honda had the standing start, and I completely agree with that. It was, you know, what Honda achieved last season was always going to be virtually impossible because of the nature of them coming in the way they came into the, the business. But you could. I would. I would. I wouldn't say it's. I would argue that Renault's situation over the winter with it, will they, won't they take over, caused so much upheaval that it's that's not necessarily say, as as difficult as Honda had it, but certainly has played a massive part in them being what, feel, what it feels like three months behind the curve or so on the design of their car.
0: Okay. I mean, it's a, I just, I just, it's a point, I, I think. You
2: know, I, think that, I think that Honda had it worse off, is my point, but that Renault aren't that... They're, they're, they're in a, they, should, they should be in a slightly more advantageous position, but not that much due to the... Due to, and due to the fact that they've went from Mercedes to Renault basically at the very last minute, it just, I just feel like that car's like three months, four months, maybe six months behind development of everybody else on the grid. And that's why it's where it is.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I I I follow that and I think that's that's reasonable as well. I think it's you know, really somewhere in between our two points, really, isn't it? It's you know um, It's
2: just baby steps, you know, they're they're just behind everybody else because they didn't realise exactly what they were going to be doing until six months behind everybody else. So it's, it's you know, it's you know Force India, Cyber, all these guys, they're probably designing their twenty sixteen car in june last year you know and Renault didn't realize they were going to be buying the team until november or whatever so that's five six months that they're you know they're behind so it's feasible to to ask i know and and, and assumably the, the the previous regime were looking towards 2016 but if they had intentions to sell the team they probably weren't looking towards it with particularly you know stringent foresight so yeah, I just think it's. I think it's. I think it was absolutely acceptable that Honda were off the pace last season. I think it's absolutely acceptable that Renault were off the pace this season. I expect improvement from McLaren this season, and I'll expect improvement from Renault this season. Uh, going yeah. into next season. I, I think my point and was I really did you, ex-
0: did, did you expect this level of performance? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, I expect. I didn't expect miracles out of them or anything like that. But did you think that the car would be? Um,
2: yeah, more I mean, on
0: par with the midfield didn't it
2: yeah i actually, thought it might have been a little bit quicker okay oh, that, then, that, then quicker,
0: actually yeah. that's what i meant but i thought,
2: <laughs> I thought the, but equally i thought the mclaren would have been a little bit quicker than what it was too oh,
0: okay I think two that's situations
2: funny. are probably comparable yeah. uh, well last
0: season you thought the mclarens would have been quicker yeah
2: not massively but just a little bit maybe okay. just just because i'm used to mclaren being a quick car so you know it's I just think, I thought, yeah, even though every, all the situations regarding Honda coming into the sport with them was a very difficult situation, I still kind of always had in the back of my head, oh, but it's McLaren, so, you know, they'll they'll, be okay, they'll, they'll figure it out, and, and I, I thought they would have been just a little bit more closer up than they, than they ultimately were, and I guess the same kind of goes for Renault uh, this season, but... Uh, they get a free pass. McLaren got a free pass last season, and and Renault get a free pass this season. It's just development for them. Uh, it's development all year, and I won't start judging them until next season. So, okay. anything they anything they achieve this season is a bonus, and the same way that anything that McLaren achieved last season was a bonus. I think that McLaren pick up some points at Monaco, was it last season? Uh,
0: so a couple of the races. Didn't yeah,
2: Jensen got some points here and there, I think, and and that was you know to me that was just pure bonus. we were in bonus round for them and 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 Rena will be the same same this season mclaren this season is when when i'll start you know judging them a bit more so.
0: okay um so it was uh Vaylin next um in the Manor, uh slightly making up for his um rather uh awkward trip into the wall in qualifying um what did you make of that twenty two minutes they spent messing about with the track and stuff it just all seemed so unnecessary because it was quite clear that once they were finished the track was in exactly the same condition it was before they'd started
2: i didn't see qualifying live so
0: all right so there was a 22 minute hold up after um verlin's crash and then they sent out the truck with like the heaters on the back to try and dry up the track underneath the bridges um but it was exactly as wet before as you know uh, afterwards as it was before
2: <laughs> seems a bit strange i don't know i didn't see that what happened with qualifying is i didn't realize it was on so early so i missed it <laughs> uh, and then i just fast forwarded through all the the delays and stuff so i guess i wasn't really paying attention that, to what they were actually doing with the track but yeah it seems a little bit strange i don't know i don't i i, I, would, I would like to offer more of an opinion on it but I, I didn't see it properly so i guess i don't know the answer <laughs>
0: Um, uh, who was next, sorry I've just managed to click off the page I was reading all the things on, was it Grosjean next or
2: yeah Grosjean and he's beaten up Haas still managed to drag it round ahead of the Sauber, so I guess going back to the going back to the um, the thing we were saying about, about the Haas and how quick is it versus Gutierrez and Grosjean and stuff like that, you know he he's still dragged it round in a fairly competitive position even though it was beat up and broken. So more testament to Grosjean and probably more proof that the Haas is not bad, maybe.
0: Fair enough. Um. Oh, you finish it off because I can't get back to the page I was on. Damn it.
2: So, yeah, Nazar 20th behind Roman Grosjean. I'll be honest, I don't remember anything about Felipe Nazar's Grand Prix. Uh, he
0: was- got caught up in the first corner action. I think he might have been part of the group that hit Hamilton.
2: There was so much going on in this country that it's hard to note everything. Uh, And then it was Harry Anto finishing ahead of Julian Palmer. What happened to Palmer? Did he have some sort of tech issue?
0: He, yeah, he didn't start the race on the grid, I think. Or did he? No, he didn't. I think he pulled in at the start and then just it wasn't anywhere ever throughout the whole entire thing. I think, so, yeah,
2: did he come in off the parade lap and go straight into the yeah, pits or like that? I think yeah. so. I vaguely recall that. Yeah, he just t- a bit. A bit. Jensen Button an and Fernando Alonso last season, going back to the McLaren comparison with Renault, just at times last season, that, you know, McLaren were having were having trouble just even making it to the grid, and it, it seems Renault have kind of kind of taken that on a little bit. There's been a few a few issues at the start of races already this season. So, but as we said before baby steps
0: indeed so um oh and then that leaves we missed just kind of skipped rio haryanto didn't we which
2: I, I i mentioned his name but i had nothing to say so. no and, uh, <laughs> I, and i think
0: that adequately describes rio <laughs> haryanto's performance in formula 1 so if, uh, i have nothing to say
2: i, I have nothing to say here <laughs> overall fun grand prix very interesting, kept me going with the strategies and the differences, of guys coming through the pack and what kind of tyres, so the medium guys getting it right, did Nico get it right on the softs, proved that he did guys that put the softs on late as opposed to the mediums and stuff seemed to have a little bit of pace later on, the guys that Ricardo got it right but yeah, going back to what we briefly said at the start, the tyre, the tyre situation I'm, I'm, I'm really really digging, it's just added that total extra layer of unpredictability for me which i'm which i love uh, and i'm hoping we see more of that in russia i'm not sure what compounds they're going to take but whatever As i hope we see more more of the same guys just you know your guys like maybe uh, your hulkenbergs or your even your bottasses at williams and guys like that just going you know what we can do the same and probably finish eight if it, why not take a punt and we might finish fourth or fifth you know like I hope hope to see more of that because what it does is then it brings guys out. You know, you end up if someone stays out longer, you end up with someone like that out of position and maybe say second or third while everybody around them pits and they stay out longer on the on the slower tyre, and a Hamilton or a Rosberg or whoever does their own little strategy. But then they come out behind somebody who's going long, and it just provides that little extra layer to to the top end of the grid as well. Like if 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 the top guy pits and he comes out stuck behind somebody going thirty five laps on the hard tire you know he's got to navigate round i mean that can throw that little extra spanner in the works and create a little bit more fun, so big fan
0: okay dokie um yeah uh it's it was a funny race for me in a lot of ways I, I I really enjoyed pretty much every single second of it it was it was really quite incredible to watch, but in a lot of ways, I kind of felt that the slight manicness of it took a little bit away from the racing um with a lot of the fast cars having to come through the pits uh through the pits through the pack um always gives a slight i think exaggeration on the amount of overtaking that's going on because they're always on contra contra strategies and all the other bits and pieces but i agree with that that's still it's still fun to watch do you know what i mean i i want to see that happening all the time throughout the field just because of strategy changes not because somebody's out of place uh, yeah
2: yeah I, I what i don't think and i've seen this mentioned a few places this week it's th- this this at uh, this grand prix here does not mean that reverse grids and you know dodgy qualifiers and all of that nonsense that i've seen spouted this week is the right, right answer just because we had fun watching Raikkonen and Alonso, uh, sorry, Hamilton and uh, Ricardo and whoever else coming through the pack. That doesn't mean that I want Rosberg starting in 10th this next week because he won this week or anything like that. Uh, the, it was fun watching them come through the pack because the natural organic circumstances of the Grand Prix meant that they ended up there. I don't want to force it. I don't want to deliberately engineer and manufacture. Daft situations like that. If the if the if the Grand Prix works out the way that Hamilton gets tagged at the start and goes behind, and else Daniel Ricardo has a puncture and goes behind, then great. It's fun to watch him come through the field. But don't don't go deliberately trying to manufacture that kind of thing because I've seen that mentioned this week by a couple of people. On yeah, bit. Pat
0: Simmons is back on it again, and I. It, to me, when you're seeing somebody at a Williams suggesting those things, it smacks of somebody who's desperate to see weird situations throw up, so that their poor performances a bit, you know, get overshadowed by the fact that they might luckily end up right at the front of a grid somewhere and, and have a chance of doing well.